Good evening, Patriots. And tonight is still Friday, February 11th in the year 2022. You know, I think a lot of what we're all feeling at this moment is, is all feeling this sort of mix of anticipation, a little bit of anxiety, a lot of blessing, maybe for some, some fear. A lot of things are changing. The momentum's building. There's a lot of unknown and we're going to kind of dig into that a little bit. I think the importance that we have to really look at is where we are and how we walk with Christ in the moment and have that intimate relationship with God as we walk in the moment because the morrows are his to know, not us. Before we begin tonight, mypillow.com is a mention worth mentioning always. Mike Lindell right now is in the process of making thousands of pillows with his company, and they're going to deliver them to the Freedom Truckers Rally. And that just speaks so much to me about Mike Lindell and his company, and it's, again, one of the many reasons that I just continue to support their products and support everything they do. So I'm going to give you a little message here from Mike on his Giza sheet sale. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, CEO of MyPillow. Retailers, shopping channels, and now even banks have tried to cancel myself and MyPillow. During these times, your support has meant everything to us. My employees and I want to personally thank each and every one of you by passing the savings directly on to you. For example, you can get my Giza Dream bed sheets for as low as $39.99 a set. That's a savings of 60% and the lowest price in history. And remember, they're made with the world's best cotton, grown where the Sahara Desert, the Mediterranean Sea, and the Nile River all meet. They come with my 10-year warranty, and I guarantee they'll be the most comfortable sheets you'll ever own. So go to MyPillow.com now and use the promo code on your screen, or call the 1-800 number below to get my Giza Dream bed sheets for as low as $39.99, the lowest price in history. If you do it right now, I'm also going to include a free gift with your purchase. Thank you and God bless. And your promo code is Bards, B-A-R-D-S, and you can use that promo code anywhere on the My on the My Pillow site, the My Store site, and the Frank Speech site. That free gift and free offer is you get a free copy of Mike's book with every purchase using your promo code BARDS. And there's so many more specials going on right now. So check it out. Go to the BARDS Nation landing page, which is mypillow.com forward slash BARDS, promo code BARDS. Also, the Founders Bible, thefoundersbible.com. The Bible, literally for our time, it's an NESB 1995 edition with our Founding Fathers documents worked within the scriptures. And it's an amazing lesson in our Founding Fathers' use of God's Word as a living language along with just the Word of God. It's an heirloom edition, beautiful printing, beautiful paper. Use your Bards code, B-A-R-D-S, for 20% off. So that's thefoundersbible.com, promo code Bards, B-A-R-D-S. Finally, Expedition, X-P-E-D, expeditioncoffee.com. That's the coffee for our time. It's literally a warrior's coffee. One cup in the morning t- takes you for the entire day. Sustained energy, mental focus, clarity, boost in the immune, in the immune system. And then you complement that with other products and that are there on the site. Those include the gut health triad, which helps heal and seal your gut. 
And that's one of the major issues of health and wellness in our time is to prevent leaky gut syndrome. And then we have Immune XP, which is an immune booster with high levels of vitamin C built around pine cone extract. And then you have Earth, which is a full body nutrient powder, which is all the nutrients, base nutrients your body needs for the full day. One scoop mixed with water, drink it like a shake. And finally, Pure 47, which is a highly refined silver extract, really important for your health. I'd highly recommend you get this in your cabinet. It's a very important product. And it really helps massively and boost your immune system. It works brilliantly. I use all these products every day, just so you know. It's like my morning starts with the coffee, the earth shake, the immune XP, and the silver. It's great stuff. So check it out, Expedition, XPD, expeditioncoffee.com. Patriots, before we begin tonight, I want to play a short clip for you. And I, I think this is... I'll just let her I'll just let her speak. You'll like it. Most of us have heard the rumors that they want to send in MCFD to take the kids from the convoy. And some of us have also seen the video by frontline nurse Kristen Nagel, who went toe-to-toe with CTV uh, while they were setting up the film said segment. A warning to our fearless leader and to the pathetic mayor of Ottawa. If you guys touch one single child out there, you will enrage every mother in this country. I will personally gather many vans full of soccer moms and we will drive to Ottawa. And if you think the truckers are giving you a hard time right now, you have seen nothing. Trust me, you do not want a city full of angry moms because there ain't no angry like mom angry. So true. There ain't no angry like mom angry. And you know the beautiful thing about that is that's putting the values again back in the family. Canada's in kind of, kind of a problem right now because they're losing trade. And it's a simple solution. We all know what it is. Drop the damn mandates. Get rid of the mask. Get rid of the vax requirement. Admit that the vax is killing people, which it is. Just look at VAERS data. We're not making this up. And the thing is, DHS is trying to crush down on people right now. And they're going after anybody that's going against the vax. And it's amazing because DHS apparently is not reading their own data, which is required by Congress, which is VAERS data. People are dying, legitimate statement. But we know this has nothing to do with the injection, the bioweapon. It has everything to do with their agenda to transform humanity into human 2.0, to destroy the elderly, and to maim the children, to cat, and to spread AIDS now that we're learning HIV across the public to create a a destabilized and disabled mass of people. So when you start going after the kids, we've warned them all along, don't go after the kids. And they do it anyway. And the wrath comes because it's literally God's hand that's in play here. And that's where I want to kind of jump off at this point because into where I want to dig, dig in tonight was this Isaiah 38. There's a real important perspective here on the living in the moment. And I think a lot of us, we wonder, it's like, okay, what is it to, what is a day with God like? So I want to read this a little bit and we're going to come back to it. We're going to read Isaiah 38, but let me just begin with this. In those days, Hezekiah became mortally ill. 
And Isaiah, the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech you how I have walked before you in truth and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, saying, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of your father David, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king Assyria, and I will defend this city. This shall be the sign to you from the Lord, that the Lord will do the things that he has spoken. Behold, I will cause the shadow on the stair, which has gone down with the sun on the stairway of Ahaz, to go back ten steps. So the sun's shadow went back ten steps on the stairway on which it had gone down. That's a profound moment here. God's literally changing the orbit of the sun to give Hezekiah 15 years. But somehow it rings very powerful when we reflect on this, that where much is given, much is asked. And it's an important point. So in this moment in time when so much is happening and we're getting swept up in so many things, Canada is shaking the world. No one ever expected that to happen. People are awakening and they're putting values correctly. Moms are coming to defense of children. Families are coming together. A nation is uniting through fellowship. Let us not forget the presence of the Lord in each and every one of our days and moments because where much is given, much is asked. So I want to tell you a little story of my own. It has nothing to do with the events currently, but I think it might help how I see the relationship, what a day is like the Lord. A day is living with the Lord. So when I was in college, I, for two and a half years, I rode on the crew team at Oregon State University. And we were good. That first half year was just a normal kind of learn how to row a little bit. This, the first full year, which would be my second year, was we were one of the best teams at that time on the West Coast, and we were also one of the better teams in the nation. So it was during one of those practices that it was a, we, were, we rode on a river in Corvallis. We don't have a lake. We had a river. And it was in the middle of winter that we would row. We'd start our training shortly after school started in January. And there was, as we would start, there would be still ice on the river when we would row. And there was ice on the river, in fact, floating. The river's temperature was about 38 degrees. Lots of rains. The river was very high. So we do what I norm, what we normally do. You get into the, you bring the boat down. You put it into the water at the docks. Everybody straps in, gets their feet in their stirrups. You go in with your sweats on. You row down, and then you get down to a certain point. You've warmed up your body, and then you you, you shed your extra gear. Go down to basically like running tights and a t-shirt, and it's about 38, 40 degrees outside. And so we start rowing back. 
and you're, we're rowing along and rowing along and you're like, man, we are in the, we have a good boat. We, we row well. And we're all kind of noticing the same problem that we're, we're looking over and there's a bush that we're seeing on the on the bankment and it's not moving anywhere. We're rowing like crazy, but the bush isn't moving, which means we're in stasis, which means we're caught in a current because we're rowing against the current to get back to the docks and the river's so high and the water's so fast that we're caught in a flow of the river that we can't outpace. This isn't looking real good at this moment. So the coach always runs a chase boat, and he zips up near the boat, and he calls out to the coxswain, and he says, okay, I need you guys to follow me. So he starts leading the way, and we take this boat back, and we're zigzagging on the river. This is an eight-man boat, by the way. These are not easy to steer and turn. They don't turn on a dime, and you have to stay in sync. And, and, and this is actually very dangerous. In fact, this same period of time, I think it was actually the same day, we were, we were what's called the heavyweight class. So we were 170 pounds and above. And there's a lightweight boat, which were made up of obviously smaller guys. It doesn't mean shorter, just lighter weight. So two classes in rowing. Well, the lightweight boat that same day was on the river at another place, just to kind of give you the sense of the danger of it all. And they caught what's called a crab, which means that one someone rowing didn't lift their oar out of the water, and it got snagged in the current, and it slammed it gets slammed to the boat, and in doing so, it created an extra rudder on the boat, and they flipped eight men upside down into the river. Very dangerous. They almost lost somebody, but they all survived. But this was water at 38, 40 degrees. So we're pretty conscious of the potential dangers of this row. And the, the coach is leading us back. And we're kind of following him and we're zigzagging this big boat up. Now, this is a row that usually our practices would start at the morning. We'd be at the docks. You should get up around five, get some breakfast. I'd always run down or ride my bike down, so I'd leave about 5.30, get down to the docks about 6. We'd pull the boat out. When the team got there, we'd be on the water usually by around 6.30. Sun was coming up. And then we would row for about an hour, and then we would come back, take a quick shower in the gym or in the locker room at 7.30, jump on my bike, ride back to class, or ride by the apartment, grab my stuff, go to class, be in class by 8.30. Generally, that's the pattern. So tight schedule, but that's how you just do that when you're in college, and it's awesome. So this is a row now that didn't take our normal hour, and that's a pretty intense fitness point. It's a row that took two hours and a half when we were done. And let me tell you, seeing that dock when you get up there is a real good sign in this time we had ice literally hanging from our sleeves of our rowing tops hands were blue but you couldn't feel them and we pull into the docks and all of us kind of slip out of our stirrups for our our, where we are rowing stirrups and we just kind of roll off onto the docks and at this point our legs are just burned when I say burn like you've burned through all the energy in your body 
fortunately the trainer is there and they used to have what were these yellow pills were sulfur pills and we each were taking them because it's what the sulfur pills were to alleviate the cramps because you'd get cramps so bad at times like right at that moment two and a half hours of rowing the cramps were so bad they would literally almost pull your like your your calf up to the back of your thigh it would just massively painful so we're all kind of laying there on the docks trying to get ourselves back together the boat's there finally we're taking sulfur pills whatever else we have and finally get ourselves up takes about 10 minutes pick up the boat bring it into the boathouse we're all wet we're hot and at the same time cooling down rapidly you're starting to get feel the chill and I still have to get on my bike like everyone else. Most of us rode our bikes down. We have to ride on our bikes and go back, change, and get ready for school. A tough day. That's a perfect God day for me. Because that day was a day that every single bit of me was challenged. And every single bit of me was purely in the moment, focused on nothing more than getting home. Every stroke had to be perfect or as perfect as I could make it. As a team, in a fellowship of a team, every one of our strokes had to be perfect or we would flip the boat. We all had equal pain, but we had to overcome it because we had to work together to get home. This is a perfect God day, and it's never left me. If we lived like that, we would be a different world because we'd not worry about the morrows and we wouldn't worry about if we're going to go to heaven or not go to heaven because we were, we'd be living truly within this place, the place of God. There shouldn't ever be a question of how we're going to be in heaven or where we're going to be in heaven or what ranking or whatever you want to believe. Because when we're walking with that intensity, that focus in the moment, and we're 100% there, we are unioned and unified with God. We're living and breathing within the living God. Let me continue with Isaiah, because there's a, there's a real good, I think there's really something that comes out of this that's pretty good. So this is Isaiah 38, 9. A writing of Hezekiah a writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, after his illness and recovery. I said in the middle of my life, I am to enter the gates of Sheol, and I am to be deprived of the rest of my years. I said I will not see the Lord, the Lord in the land of the living. I will look on man no more among the inhabitants of the world. Like a shepherd's tent, my dwelling is pulled up and removed from me. As a weaver, I rolled up my life. He cuts me off from the loom. From day until night, you make an end of me. I composed my soul until morning like a lion, so he breaks all my bones. From day until night, you make an end of me like a swallow, like a crane. So I twitter. I moan like a dove. My eyes look wistfully to the heights. O oh Lord, I am oppressed by my security. What shall I say? For he has spoken to me and he himself has done it. I will wander all my years because of the bitterness of my soul. O Lord, by these things men live. And in these things is the life of my spirit. O restore me to health and let me live. 
Lo, for my own welfare I had great bitterness. It is you who has kept my soul from the pit of nothingness. For you have cast my sins behind your back. For Sheol cannot thank you. Death cannot praise you. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. It is the living who give thanks to you as I do today. A father tells his sons about your faithfulness. The Lord will surely save me. So we will play my songs and stringed instruments all the days of my life at the house of the Lord. Now Isaiah had said, Let them take a cake of figs and apply it to the boil. Then he may recover. Then Isaiah had said, What is the sign that I shall go up to the house of the Lord? This whole passage is fascinating to me because it reflects exactly what I was getting at. All of these lamentings of what he's lost, what he won't have, and there's nothing in there of the moment of living intimately with God. So much is missed. For the worrying of this and the worrying of that and the lamenting of can't have and the lamenting of being separated from, and in the end, when the simple, when he's already been given the answer, he asks the question for the answer that was already given. What is the sign that I shall go up to the house of the Lord? His 15 years aren't even up yet. He's been given 15 years, and he's already worried about the end. It is so important to realize that we have only the moments to live. And right now is the one of the greatest moments you can ever live. No matter what is transpiring, these moments that we are in are the greatest moments we could ever have asked to live in. They are literally transforming the world. And the thing is that we're all being forged through the fires and the furnaces of God's hand. If we are going to be returned to him and put ourselves in his presence, we have to be perfect. And if we're worried about yesterday and we're worried about tomorrow and we're not living in the moment, how can we be reforged to be great and perfect as God needs us to be? This is a beautiful time in which we stand together. And when we look at Canada from the outside, Canada's facing challenges, but God is using Canada in my eyes, in my heart. He's using Canada as a demonstration for the entire world, for all eyes to be watching. Canada is revealing everything about the things that we've known as they awaken and share that. And people look to Canada and say, wait a minute, what are you saying? What are the truths that you're sharing? And we're seeing the government pull off its happy face. And we see the tyranny that has been brewing underneath. We're witnessing that each day. I find myself amazed because we can get to this point each night. We go to bed and we say, Lord, will they hold the line? And each morning we wake up and we find that Canada has dug in deeper. Because God's working this. And because Canada isn't worrying about tomorrow, they're focused on the now. The effect of what's happening in Canada is not worrying about next week or whether the White hats are going to save the day or whether Trump's coming back and whether they're going to undo the election. None of that's mattering in Canada. They have the greatest advantage over us than we've ever had because we're so wrapped around to tomorrow's, the next days, the four years from now. 
Trump is campaigning for 2024. Mike Lindell's trying to remind us to fix 2020, which is correct. Flynn is campaigning for 2022 to get people out to vote. Stop. We need to stop and focus. What is before us? What is before us? What is before us is the movement of uniting God's children across this globe. And the tool that God is using are truckers. They're not politicians. They're not lawyers. They're not educators. They're not doctors. They're just people that are sick and tired of the game. And they're making a choice to take a stand. They're not rushing to the finish line. In fact, in all the anxiety, where's the U.S. truckers? They're there. They're being methodical. They're being processing. They're moving forward. I'm not worried about the truckers. They're, they've got their path. As America, we need to wake up. But waking up doesn't mean when. Like, I'm going to wake up next month. It's now. And how does the wake up happen? The waking up happens with us walking intimately with God and trusting in every single thing he has us to do, even if it's a trivial task. It's not lamenting. It's not worrying about whether we're going to heaven or not going to heaven. Because you are. If you've accepted Christ in your heart and you're walking intimately with them, then what you can expect are the trials and challenges that come with that walk because those are the refining fires. They aren't, you can't be looking at things like, oh, I sinned, so God is cursing me. That's, put that aside. These are trials of refinement. These are trials of strength. You can't be strong unless you've walked through the fire. You can't be fearless unless you've faced death. I've told you this story before. And it's not to talk about me, but I just want to give you the perspective of that. Because when you have somebody come up like an Afghan soldier who's really mad at you because you happened to film a beautiful scene of a young child running back to his mother. But in Afghanistan, I'm not supposed to film the women. And I, he and I had an obvious disagreement because that was a precious story of a beautiful culture in a beautiful village. And he's seeing it as an offense to Pashtun culture. So he and I are not agreeing. So he decided to resolve the argument by putting an RPG into my chest with the finger on the trigger and telling me he was going to kill me. And I decided to solve the problem by grabbing hold of the RPG and pulling it hard towards me, locking his finger on the trigger and telling him to pull the trigger. Because what I reminded him of is you remove me, you remove yourself, and are you ready to go meet Allah? because I'm ready to meet my God. See, we have to embrace the moments. We have to embrace the moments with such confidence that we're living in that place with God and following his 
light and following what he's asked us to do. Not worried about whether, oh, gee, did I, did I get my things in order? Did I do that prayer right this morning? Did I, did I fold the laundry right? Is the room clean? Do I have clean underwear on in case I go to heaven? None of that matters. What matters is in our heart. And what matters is where we are. Right now, there's all sorts of anxiety around banking, and there's anxiety about what the stock market is going to do. And I had this conversation with God today. I'm like, all right, Lord, I've got some things I've got to do. And, I, and, I, and I'm like, I trust you. And I just had, I could feel this anxiety because we don't know. Everyone has it. You know, I, and don't let anyone ever tell you that they don't. Everyone's got concerns. Call that anxiety. It's concerns. And there's obviously concerns. We don't know if the banking's going to shut down today or tomorrow. We don't know whether the stock market's going to implode Monday or six weeks from now or a year from now. We know it's going to happen. Because it will. The question is, where is our trust? And I had this conversation with God today. I was like, okay, God. And I, I started laughing. I'm like, you know my heart, and you know that right now, I've got some uneasiness about the stock market or about the banking stuff. And I kind of laughed and I said, and I know I shouldn't. So, all right, God, just forgive me for being human for a minute because I am and I'm imperfect. But here's the bottom line. Know this in my heart. I trust you completely. I just have to work through my human stuff. And you can almost feel the smile kind of like, yeah. I know you're human. I know you're imperfect, but good. I'm glad you remembered I'm the boss. It's like, I know you are, man. Don't worry about that. This is the intimacy that we have to have in all things. And if we're always putting God first in these moments and we're reminded of the mightiness of God, no matter what the threats are, when DHS is going to come knocking at my door because I'm talking the truth on Vax, I don't know. I know they're listening. They wouldn't want to miss this show because hopefully they're getting addicted to hearing the message of God put in the context of the stupid politics that we have today. That would be good. I'd be happy for all those DHS persons that are hopefully being saved right now. But what's the worry? You're going to be thrown in jail? Okay. Then minister away. Paul did. (laughs) That's the truth. If God's going to put us there, it's because God needs us there. And if we accept the trust in God, we have to accept everything. Because here's the thing. What Hezekiah forgot is that God was going to give him 15 years. And when God was ready, God would take him. It doesn't matter what the sign would be. What Hezekiah forgot was that you have an accountability for 15 years to get your house in order. That's hard work, and there's going to be trials. And Hezekiah forgot that because his house was a mess in the end. His son was despicable. So we have to take the time to embrace the moments and take the responsibilities what's before us. But if God puts us somewhere, then it's where God needs us. It's not a punishment. It's not because, and this this is where we have to unwind from this matrix. Because if we're living in the matrix of the Luciferian state, then our punishment is deserved by the things we fail to do by the rules of men and of a corrupt institution of tyranny. But if we're walking with God and trusting in Father completely and we're walking in the Spirit, whatever befalls us has nothing to do with them. It's because God needs us to walk this path. 
And why? Maybe it's because he needs you to minister something. Maybe it's because he needs you to endure this trial to become stronger and mightier in the world that we live. These are trials. And they're not trials to test whether you're going to heaven. They're trials to see how we move through this to purify ourselves and to become stronger in the world. So whatever befalls us right now matters not. In fact, we should embrace it. Not should, must, in my opinion. Strong words, but necessary. And as we embrace these challenges and these trials... It gives us an opportunity to find out what the true trust in Christ Jesus is and through Christ to the Father. I mean, that's truly what we're talking about. We can imagine great things. We can imagine standing in front of the devil and thinking we can overcome it and doing like Christ did. But you're not going to be able to know if you can unless you've had the trials to prep you for that time when that if that comes. And everybody has different types of trials in their life because we are not intended to be equal. We are not hive mind. We are all unique in the beauty of the way God makes us. And we are all unique in the body of Christ as we walk. And so one person's trial might not be the same as another person's trial. It's irrelevant. There's proportionally, they all are the same because it's what God needs of us So that means also shedding away fear, anxieties. And that's the core of that whole thing. Of course we have, there's a lot of concerns. Concerns for our children, concerns for paying the mortgage, concerns for paying car payments if you have them, concerns for putting food on the table. Be diligent, be steady, trust in the Lord, follow what he leads you to do. Don't be but God is also has some expectations. Don't be just lazy and say, well, God didn't tell me. There's some basic things in life that we're supposed to be able to do and figure out on our own. That's part of walking this path. And if we make bad decisions, it doesn't mean that the Lord's going to sweep down and go, hey, guess what? I'm here to fix it all for you. Nope. Some of that could very well be that you get to walk that path, but I'm still with you. Big difference. God isn't here to sweep up our messes and muck out our garbage that we do. He is never going to forsake us, but we still have to walk the paths because through the paths, as we lean into him, we continue to be refined in the holy fires of perfection. And sometimes those paths are rough. There will possibly be, likely be, arrests in Canada. There will probably be attempts to take families' children because that's what tyranny does. But if we hold to the anxiety of the fears in which they want that to breed, then the armor in which we have collapses. But if we put our trust truly in God and say we will stand here in the mightiness of our Father, the fearlessness of Christ Jesus. We will stand here and face you and stand unified. Everything that happens will be as God needs us to be because, again, what's our mission? Occupy the land and expand the kingdom. The kingdom includes nefarious places that we end up in and minister to and meet people and expand it through there. 
We must be in such a place with God that we are remembered, not by the words that we speak, but by the way in which we walk and the presence we bring, because the presence we bring is God's. It's actually rather simple, isn't it? Just get up at 5.30 in the morning, go down to the docks, jump into a, a boat, row down on an icy river, row back, and it's a hard row back, and it's going to exhaust you, and you're going to have to spend an extra hour on the water, and you're going to get cold when you get off the water, and your legs are probably going to hurt. And you're not going to want to take the boat out of the water. And you're not going to want to put it back in the boathouse, but you're going to do it. And you're going to be wet. And you're going to start feeling cold. And you're going to get on your bike and you're going to ride back. And you're going to take a hot shower and you're going to probably arrive a little late in class. You might have to skip the class that morning. But you're still going to study. And you're still going to go back to practice that afternoon because there were two times a day practices. And we'd still go back to practice that afternoon at 3.30 at the docks. And you're still going to go run the 100 stairs. And you're still going to go row for another hour. Because that's a perfect day of, of walking with God. Because every day is that much challenge. And every day is that much reward. And every day leaves you with such a glorious feeling of accomplishing that. that it doesn't matter what tomorrow brings. Just bring it. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. I just thank you for these times that we're in. It's just so humbling to be in a time and a place like this. Where we can be so present with you to walk so purely with you and to accept the challenges that you put before us, not as challenges of fear, anxieties or anger or frustrations, but fears as truly the refining fires to make us stronger, to grow us more boldly in that relationship with you and through Christ Jesus to you, Father. Lord, in this time, we pray for the Canadians who are now in a bold stance, digging in, and we pray that that strength which you bring can be connected so deeply with them that they'll find that reserve and that resolve to sustain, to turn more deeply to you, and in so doing, become the brighter lamp on the hill for all eyes to see, for the world to see, then witness, and in so doing, let that echo across the many lands to awaken those that are hesitant, fearful, apprehensive, quiet, whatever the situation may be. For the truckers that are starting to move in the United States, we pray for them. And we know, Lord, that this tyranny is going to rise up. It is going to lash back. It is a multi-headed serpent that does not like to be challenged and will not accept challenge without pushing back viciously. But we also know that that viciousness as it does, as it rears its ugly head, reveals its true nature. And in its true nature, we need and pray for the many to witness what it is with clear eyes and to realize that the only true love in this world is you, Lord. 
And in those moments, then, we will begin to witness the true awakening. We will begin to witness the true glory. And in those moments, we will be, as is said in 2 Corinthians 5.20, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Wonderful, wonderful time to be. And we're changing the world. We're awakening the world. And not with knowledge, but with faith. So, just a quick note. Tomorrow is another bended knee at 1 o'clock p.m. on Saturday if you want to join. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. Prayers right now are critical, and it is that foundational rock with which we stand, the rock of faith which connects us deeply in our intimate relationship with Christ and through Christ to the Father. Invite God to dinner. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for such a time as this. And we have a mission to occupy the land and expand the kingdom. And that means mission forward. Have a blessed night. I'll see you all tomorrow night tomorrow afternoon for bended knee until then or until the next time god bless good night thank you and out for now all this time we had to prove that we could stand here too all the nights been pushing through fight for all we had to lose Reaching out for something To pull us up to the level ground Oh, I can see it now I can see it now We're on the edge of our moment But not over that Now we're diving in The light up ahead We're running to it We're on the edge Now we're diving in 
sun sets down over the hill where the lost got found. Reaching through somehow. Oh, you're an island when the world is too loud. When the seasons change, I know the space between us will stay the same. Resting on this faith, when your soul answers calls far away. Thank、you.